0: Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Looking Up. My name is Max McCoy. Today I'm joined by Justin Resvani. Justin has become a major gift in my life, man. He's a a friend, uh, but he's also someone I really get to look up to and learn from directly, so I'm super appreciative. And I was glad I got to sit down and interview him. Um, For the first part of this two-part interview, we talk about Justin's journey in building and selling a multi-million dollar company Before he was 30, this guy has done some amazing stuff and it was super cool to be able to dissect his brain and his journey and all that stuff. I'm self-employed. I'm a freelance content creator, so I was lucky to be able to learn from Justin and you know his entrepreneurial journey but if you're not an entrepreneur if you're not self-employed I really think this episode will still apply to you whatever your craft sports music business or whatever else like the lessons and perspectives discussed here by Justin uh, will apply like I think we're all climbing a mountain of our own whatever your mountain is principles on how to properly climb. Um, And how to get to the top of a mountain, uh, I think, will apply to your life as it did to mine. So I hope you take as much from this episode as I did. Happy 2020, people, and enjoy this conversation I had with my friend, Justin Resvani. Cheers. Cheers, Maxi. Thanks for doing this with me, man. This is pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Pleasure. Pleasure.
0: We're in your beautiful home here in the Palisades. What kind of coffee are we drinking?
1: um, So we have a little bit of a superfood coffee. Um, We actually mix it with some products. From a buddy's company called Hana, Hana One, Ashwagandha, this Ventura Ghee, which is a ghee that's made from cows that eat herbs. <laughs> They're the only cows in the world that eat herbs, so it's very pungent, as you smelled earlier. Yeah. Uh, some lion's mane and chaga. Hmm. So it's a, it's a little bit of a stack smoothie. It's, it's,
0: you know uh, how to stack your stuff. Um,
1: I mean, I try to, um, specifically in my morning elixir whatever you want to call it yeah
0: if you look in your cabinets here you have like a whole health food store (laughs) which is funny you're one of the healthiest people we know this is why this conversation is going to be cool um for my audience we talked about it before let's lay the groundwork man what why is your life i would say one of the most unique for a 32 year old 31 31 31 year old How'd you get to this place where in your beautiful home in the Palisades, man, you live a a very blessed life and I'm very lucky to be around it. But how'd you get here in the first place?
1: First of all, I'm thankful for you, Max, and um, I'm very blessed in so many ways. And I think starting the journey, reverse engineering the journey is probably the most important way. So, you know, I went to I flunked out of high school um, and I had to go to community college, Moore Park, which we. I kind of talked a little bit about that before. So I had to go to community college to get into my university. Um, went to Cal Poly Pomona. Changed my life a bit in college and kind of got my shit together, I guess. Um, was able to speak at my college graduation as the student of my class. Wow. Um, and then from there, I was really focused on mastering a very specific type of marketing. So I graduated in 2011. Um, uh, about four years after the iPhone came out. So when I went into college, the iPhone was in existence. And I, I, I had this kind of North Star thinking that mobile, uh, specifically the way you engage with individual people on mobile platforms, will be the future of uh, managing attention specifically. And, and mobile marketing may be the term. And so basically from my entire existence through college and even up until my first job, which was at the Walt Disney Company building out the first mobile tracking software within the Disney.com portfolio on mobile. I had this north star that engaging with people on a phone was the future of everything. Um, no longer our desktop computers, the way we would do that. Um, so had my first job at Disney, then worked to my first corporate job, which was selling these small mobile ad banners that everyone hates, um, to large companies. And then, When I was 23, I really came to this realization that the future wasn't necessarily web 2.0. It was uh, within social environments. So I wanted to figure out a way where a person um, could talk to another person at scale. And I was lucky enough that I went to school here in L.A. I went to high school in L.A. I grew up in L.A. So one or two of my friends from high school ended up becoming what do you want to call celebrities on the Internet. Um, And right when Facebook got bought by uh, Instagram got bought by Facebook for a billion dollars, we started seeing a trend where these random people would start having these large followings. And in my mind, those followings were were eyeballs. They were people that um, could see an ad. Um, So Basically, I would go up to my friends and have all these followers, like, hey, are you working with any companies? Are you working with brands to talk about your your uh, products that you love? And this is in 2012, 2013. And at that point, there really wasn't any system built to do that. They said, yeah, but I have to contract with my agent. It takes a really long time. It's a pain in the ass. So what I told myself when I was 23, I said, is there an app on the app store the Apple App Store that connects a brand to an influencer, and at the time there wasn't. So I essentially went and built the world's first app that connected a brand to an influencer, a first mobile app. And the whole premise of the of the company and the platform was to build a system where I could actually kind of sit back a little bit and let the tools create uh, create a create the 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 environment to create these ads. I read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna live on a beach and this platform will do it all for me. That necessarily was not the case yeah, in the system at all. Everybody was
0: in here, I wanna build an app and get and make money, Tim Ferriss style. Yeah, and I and, think and I knowing you that wasn't the case. It was you weren't just kicking back.
1: Yeah, and you know, and and what happened was, you know, we were very blessed. We ended up launching the app at the day one, 2014, January twenty fourteen, which is um, a few years ago now, and we ended up selling our first campaign within six weeks for $50,000 and our second campaign a day later for $60,000. So a company with no funding in six weeks was had $110,000 in revenue. And 50% of that was profit. And I I look at that and I'm like, in six weeks, I've made more money than I've made in the last two years, like there's something here. Um, And I went heads down. And I focused literally my entire life in building that company. That company was the Amplify. Uh, First year we grew, we had a few million in revenue our first year. Second year was a few million in profit. Um, Third year, again, another few million in profit. And the end of the third year, uh, we actually were acquired uh, in the middle of 2016. It was a very strong exit for me personally because i had owned 100 percent of the company if you look at if you look at the technical world and tech and all that and especially ad tech like companies are not bootstrapped in this business they're usually companies that are heavily funded that have all these you know complicated cap tables but you know somehow through a lot of luck knowing the right people we were able to build this business uh with basically on cash flow on profit we were a very profitable company. We're probably still one of the only profitable companies in the market because we build a system, a platform, and I sold the company when I was 27 years old, and then uh, left the company um, when I was 29 at the beginning of 2018, and um, you know recently just sold the rest of the company. So I'm fully out. I'm off the board, and um, and it's 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 been a really intense journey that uh, building, growing, scaling, selling, and leaving a company in six years is truly something that's, uh kind of was life-changing for me and obviously created a, a platform for me to now think about what I want to do next in my life.
0: What kind of person would you say you were, you know, you said you started around 23, 24 until 27. What kind of, how would you encapsulate Justin in that era and kind of how he's, and then how he shifted after selling the company because it seemed like it was a, a dramatic shift in, in your identity. And that's like kind of the Justin I know now.
1: I was very financially motivated. So my 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 North Star was simply around building the cash coffers and building a very profitable, large company very quickly. Um, and that was the only thing that I was particularly focused on is um, I, w- I would wake up every morning and some people nowadays will meditate every morning my morning was I dove into my PNL on a daily and weekly basis. And What's said, a PNL? PNL is profit and loss statement, mm-hmm. and basically like where's the money? Mm-hmm. Where's the money today? Where's the money tomorrow? Where's the money going? Where's the money in and out? And I was so focused on the money every day, and um, and and I neglected a lot of things along the way. I neglected myself particularly. I was a very overweight, dysfunctional embodiment of who my who I am in myself and I I, in some ways I lost myself for a long time because I was focused on this concept of cash and you know it did come out to be very positive for me because whatever I was focused on it ended up being the result because we ended up being very profitable we ended up selling for a a large amount of cash and we ended up building this whole thing Um, but I neglected so many important parts of my life, I I seem to have fed the ego and not have f- fed the self, mm-hmm. and now I think I'm on this journey to feed the self, which is uh, an embodiment that will live th- live through this life and not just you know this one in particular.
0: And what that process of shifting into that's like the journey I very much resonate with, and it's weird to be in that journey also at the early part of my career. It almost sounds neater to like focus one part of your life on. One part and then the other part, but for me, it's been a weird trying to grow both at the same time. What, what did that look like for you trying to dive into the self? Like it It sounds like you you led with the body. You said you were overweight, and so you almost addressed that first, and then was it that kind of the spirit and the self kind of came through that, or how'd that look?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that I was really thinking about was I want to set myself up that before I turn 30, I... I want to have enough, whatever you want to call it, um, money to not have to worry about working ever again. Um, mm-hmm. and never have to be dependent. And I have this North star of self-sovereignty as my entire thing that I think about is being a self-sovereign being. Um, so that was my entire North star. Do That's you recommend, th-
0: sorry to cut you off. Do you rec- recommend that for people? Uh,
1: you know, look, everyone's, everyone has this path. I mean, for me, I knew that was my only path. I am unemployable completely. <laughs> I am. I, I I had a job for a year and I, I just, it just wasn't something that made sense. And I could tell that I was, I was not a cubicle type of person. So I had no other choice. I had, I, I, I needed to start my own thing. I needed to go build what I believe I needed to build. And that needed to be the the story of what my life was. A lot of people, that's not their story. So you know for me i think in a lot of ways creating wealth is a function of your own self-improvement and self-discovery and doing that so i don't necessarily recommend to people to take my path I suffered a lot through that, my, my, my path. I was suicidal at some points in my path. I was extremely unhappy at some points in my path. And if I didn't have the resilience to break through these moments, I would have quit hundreds of times running a company. It's, it is the, the loneliest thing that one will ever do. And I think one of the nuggets I always like to leave behind, especially in, po- in, in speaking to people, and I, I've said this in previous conversations, that entrepreneurship is not for everybody. And I know there's this really sexy thing about being an entrepreneur right now, like, oh, I'm going to go start my company and I'm going to do this. And, and in all honesty, so many companies fail. Most people are not built to do that. There's a lot of great people that are built to be amazing number twos and number threes and help an entrepreneur build their dream and build their career going to build your own thing right away isn't necessarily the advice that I'd give to probably 90% of people because that's not necessarily the proper path to get there. So because there might be more suffering on the back end and more hurt than positive. Mm-hmm. And I I was because I'm built like that it was fine for me. But it's a, it's an exercise in self-awareness. I knew I had no other choice. I knew that I had no other path, mm-hmm. which is why I focused on that specific uh, outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what did that, um, well, first, how how does one, there's so many rabbit holes I could go with you, but how, how does one deal with that loneliness? I, I resonate with, I've tried to part-time be an employee. I've tried, you know, getting side jobs as I've built my own thing for a little bit. I similarly feel like uh, it's just not in the cards for me. And as cool as that might sound to some people, like, oh, I have to work for myself in ways. In a lot of ways, it's like, I kind of look at other people and sometimes envy that they can do that, if that makes sense. Like it's not as sexy, like you said, as some people make it out to be. What, looking back, is there anything you would have told yourself in those moments of loneliness through entrepreneurship, through building your own thing, whether it's like a big business or it's like for me in my case, it's a, it's a freelance business. How how does one get through those parts, if if at all? or Or is it more like those are kind of, The mountains you have to climb to reach you know the views that you want
1: I think for me it was always reverse engineering the expected outcome you have and so I knew there were specific things that I needed to achieve at a certain point and specific milestones that I needed to achieve Mm. at a certain age in order to get what I needed as a person Mm. so I said I need to have this much money I need to have built this type of a business. I need to have accrued this much cash. I need Mm. to have to do, 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 do. do. I made a list of all these things that I needed. Mm. And then I figured out, okay, how do I get there? Mm. How do I get to this, whatever you want to call place? And then built a step-by-step process on how to get there. First, start a company in a very high growth, high cash experience. Create value with the largest brands in the world. Develop programs that require large revenue um, acquisitions. Like some of our contracts ended up being multi million dollar contracts, which are a lot harder to re- achieve, but a lot more profitable in the long term because you don't have to keep fighting for that. Build something that's very profitable, right? Build something that can be built on scale without me. All, I, 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 I step by step methodically took all Where'd these things. Where'd that clarity come from? I think that the, the clarity came from that I knew I needed to get to a certain place financially hmm. Um, I was very blessed that my father was an entrepreneur growing up but I give you context he, he wasn't an entrepreneur that was you know bringing in millions of dollars like at the end of the day we grew up in a very middle class household very normal kind of upbringing nothing extravagant by any means and my dad worked from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day. Yeah, mine too. And,
0: I can resonate. Yeah, and and
1: so I grew up in the mindset that this is how you do it. So there's no other choice. Isn't there's that no so other.
0: cool? My my dad was self-employed too, and people ask like, "Oh man, you're doing your own thing. That's really cool." And I'm like, "My dad did his own thing, like, yeah. and he didn't. His version of success is way different than mine. But to see that from a dad is is super fucking cool to see like. This is all I know is I watched this man that, you know, it's my dad that and I've seen you and your dad, you guys have a great relationship. That I think is a part of this is all I can do because you literally saw this man your whole life doing his own thing. And that's, that's your most normal. That's the most basic construct of what's normal for you. Yeah. And
1: and, and to me, that's, that's what gave me the platform to think about all these things. And Mm. my dad was probably the most important advisor to me growing this company because I would call him my almost on a daily basis and share my woes and my problems and all the things that we're going through yeah um, so it, it was one of those things that was the platform for me to get to this other place but again I had a North Star in mind I said and, and the way that I look at it now is that how much investable capital do I need to run my life mm. right so how many how much money do I need at what percentage return at the end of the day do I need to live the type of life and i don't necessarily live the most extravagant life i think i live a somewhat normal life i don't i don't you know i'm not very flashy i don't like to do like like you know i like to just live a, a life I, I i have to say probably earlier when i first received my large tranche of whatever getting my company acquired i thought that's what i wanted i did this extravagant like going out flashy i want everyone to know that i had money type thing and now i try to reduce that as much as possible because it's not what i care about anymore. yeah
0: so that north star to come back to the original question was kind of it was so it was it sounds like clarity when you're clear when you have enough clarity those those pits of loneliness or whatever on the path that you want kind of puts it in perspective Is it that does right?
1: and, and it, for me i looked at it as a platform it's a platform to build on Mm. Um, you can't build a skyscraper without a foundation. Mm. You can't build a build building without a foundation. So you
0: always viewed it as almost the first thing. It this, wasn't the This thing. was the
1: foundation that I needed to build mm. in order to build the rest of whatever was supposed to be my life. That's fascinating. And I sacrificed my 20s as a result of that. You have to understand, I, I did not, I mean, I didn't interact with anyone outside of work for almost three or four years. I worked every single day, Monday through Monday. I was in the office every single day. I was sending emails at all times of day. I would never go out. I would never enjoy. I'd lost relationships. I lost friends. I destroyed relationships. I was only focused on one specific task, and that was to get to the specific endpoint of what I'm looking for in my life. And I, unfortunately, the fact is that I probably I, I, I lost a lot of relationships along the way um, because I wasn't being my true self along that path. And that's a lot of the karmic energy I think that I'm working through right now is that, you know, what were all the sacrifices I needed to have in order to get to the place, the, the means to an end per se, and what are the things that I need to transcend now to make up for the things that I did wrong.
0: Hmm. Was there, a, we'll move on from this chapter, but it's just still so fascinating. What Was there a, a, a phase of your life where it was like, I made it, I made it, of bliss? And if so, how much, how long did that last? Especially like I I can see after selling a company that you've, you've had this North star for so long that once you've been acquired, you know, everything's feels so worth it. How long did that like ecstasy that seemingly so many of us crave and and are grinding for is that thing? Like I made it. Was that the case for you? Um, Did that last long? If, if at all, I think that
1: it was a very fleeting experience. Because you go and you look at your bank account, you're like, oh, my God, my life has changed. Um, But then you realize that inside yourself, nothing has actually changed. Um, And you have this external validation of something, and you really don't know what it means. And it's taken me four years of practice. I mean, in in April, it will be four years since I received my tranche of cash. It'll be four years. Um, So it's a pretty pretty big experience for me to like now transcend this and say, you know, what am I supposed to do with all this? Mm. Um, and so, no, not really (laughs) in a lot of ways, (laughs) Uh, but it took all this, I guess, this is why I'm on this reflective period right now.
0: One piece of advice for someone 24 years old, starting their business. What would you give? What, what's the why? What, what's the why and, and truly what kind of lifestyle
1: do you want to live? Because, There's a lot of these like aspirational dreams of people raising all this money and building these large multinational companies and, you know, build you know, building a hundred million dollar a year company and investors and this and that and all this. And the question needs to come down to why Um, I think we've we've society has created all these illusions of these large exits and these large valuations that are completely made up by the venture capital world that aren't actually real. And then we see the demise of companies like we work overnight because they realize that all these valuations were made up. This stuff is, 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 is destroying people, this concept. So if someone's an entrepreneur and wants to start a company, my perspective, I never give advice. I only give perspective is why are you doing this? And what is your path to actually build a a small business, not a billion dollar business? What's your plan to build a small, profitable business where you actually take home more money than you spend, which is an absolute illusion for most people that are building businesses nowadays because they're requiring cash. When I sold my company, I ended up becoming an investor in a few, few companies, and I look at the way these, 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 these people are running their businesses and profit to them doesn't mean anything when they have forgotten that companies are built to create more money than they spend. That's the, that's the concept of a business. And we've completely lost that because we have this external money machine that we've created for financial manipulation that will inject cash into these companies and make them more valuable than the actual reality of who they are, hopefully for a long-term plan or exit. And just remembering all those outcomes, right? Like I think one of the things that's super interesting that I talk to entrepreneurs about a lot is like, why are you raising money? And then if you look at the end end result, right, like let's say somebody, they're an entrepreneur, they've raised 60, 70 million dollars, they've diluted their equity down to five to 10 percent as as an owner of the business and then they sell it for 100 million dollars. That guy is probably leaving with 3 or $4 million bucks after taxes when you put everything in context because the, the, the venture capital groups get their cash. So these, these illusions that I'm going to become this super wealthy person because I'm going to mm. raise all this money and sell for all this money isn't actually always the case. Mm. So it's about what is the why and how do you plan on getting there and, and focus on building an incredible small business first and then build your dreams on top of that. My cousin gives this analogy of like, we as a company were always this hot chili pepper. We were this small object that was so fiery. We were small, but we created this ripple effect and that little bite just spiced up life so much. So be that that hot chili pepper. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be this big watermelon that's just taking up a bunch of (laughs) room.
0: I love that, dude. The irony of it is that like, despite, I like that you talked about, in the beginning that this is just your path and this is just the way you're going. Cause the irony of your story is that, you know, you, you'll tell me that, you know, you weren't this healthy person and you were feeding the ego, but at the end of the day you followed your, you followed your path as authentically as possible because you knew your why you had an objective, you went after it, you did it. And so in a way it's like a noble pursuit you had, but you still look back and say, yeah, I was, you know, beating myself up or sacrificing myself in some ways. Mm -hmm. So how did that look reprioritizing your life? So you had a very strong, I want to build my foundation so that the rest of my life, I don't really have to worry about money. You were going to do anything to get there. That was your why. And you did that. What was your next why? What was your next North Star? What what, would that look like? Because it seemed like the transformation that took place from there, Uh, was pretty substantial and and we could go into depth on that too as well well.
1: this has been a two-year path now at this point so what happens when you leave a company is that one day you are you have an email address you have a team you have you know you have people that are working with you and depending on you and talking with you and then one day you don't (laughs) simply put one day you just have Uh, An empty inbox, a Gmail account, and you have no one to talk to essentially all day. Um, And when that's your life for years upon years, and this is the only thing that you know, I was very lost for some time, I have to say. I I, I wake up and I I find myself, I don't have a sense of purpose. So the only thing that I could particularly focus on was like, okay, I've destroyed my body. I, I don't sleep. I don't know how to eat. I'm I have terrible relationships, I hate myself. What is the one thing I could potentially focus on right now and it was my health. So I just like went super deep. I spent all my I mean, imagine you're switching over from, you know, 60, 80, 100 hour weeks to nothing. What can I focus on is my health. So I mm-hmm. deep dived in probably everything related to health and trying to master the machine. I like to call it my avatar that I'm moving through this world and I, I wrote this concept of understanding my avatar. That's what I'm going to spend the next year on. So I went and focused and reprioritized and everything on myself and said, you know, like, what should I be eating? How much should I be sleeping? How should I be moving around the world? Um, how should I think about mindfulness and the concept of being more mindful in my life? And then how can I translate all those things into rebuilding relationships and investing in people and realizing that, like, People are the function that get through things it's not about me it's about us and the concept of us and how, how do I build something with us and I've completely reprioritized my life to invest in that and to invest in people and to mm-hmm. invest in relationships and specifically the relationship with myself
0: it's pretty beautiful it's like the stereotypical as I've been learning about it with the young in psychology and stuff it's the the dark night of the soul you hit when you when one goal is no longer a goal it's as if you like lost a a god and then you're kind of stuck in the dark night of the soul and you're in oblivion and you have to kind of like what's next what's next
1: i was completely in oblivion for a long time and i was i was actually taking this really dark
0: path because
1: what happens to people not people like me but most of the time from my understanding of what entrepreneurs do is that they'll go and start another company yeah and i did i did the week the week i left i said i'm gonna go start another company i'm gonna go do this thing no way and it was the worst mistake um, and I, I was lucky that a month later i came to a realization uh, one of my teachers was like you're making a mistake you need to take a break and then i like realized I, was like, I don't need to start this other company i was like on this path to have employees and all this stuff and i was like let me just cool the brakes and I, I took that took that step back is that they go and work on the next thing or they go work on the next thing because the concept of self is predicated on this continued success of being an entrepreneur. Whereas I've completely transcended that idea. I don't, I don't think necessarily, like when I speak to people, they're like, oh, like still unfortunately in Los Angeles people want to know what you do. I just respond with, I don't do anything. I don't know. I, I'm really trying to solve for that for myself every single day. Do you want to know what I did to say that and to give that answer? I can give you context. And then for some reason, telling them you sold the, sold the company gives you validity and you're a Forbes 30 under 30 and all these things give you validity all of a sudden. So I can always go back to that concept. But I really, every day, I'm just trying to figure out exactly what I'm trying to do on this earth. It's you know, a weird
0: place to be is. and The only time I've really dealt with that and a lot of my audience came to me through athletics was a lot of athletes deal with something like that. When you play basketball or play any sport for your whole life, your identity so caught up in that. And then when that's gone, a lot of, there's a lot of anxiety and depression that can come with that. A lot of like, what's my avatar, as you would say. And when you're interacting with people, it's so easy to your whole life be like, oh, this is this is my thing. This is what I do. And when you don't have that, uh, it's a very uncomfortable feeling. Did you have any of that? Like, did you have any uncomfortableness, like not knowing what was next? Or did you have, just because you had that in the background, knowing like, no, I fucking did it maybe that wasn't I, the case for you?
1: I absolutely did. And I, I, I think what, what the feeling was is the feeling of not being good enough. The feeling... For and sure. that, that was actually... impacted A lot of the things in my relationship, my relationship with myself was that I was building my business because I was always chasing this thing that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough to achieve what I was supposed to achieve. So I always had to push beyond my limits to get to that place. But once you establish a place of stillness and realize that you are good enough, that you're, we're, you're not here necessarily to have all these incredible paths and simply we are here to live no more than anything else. We're not here to, be, to build the next Amazon to the next Facebook or this other thing. We're just here to live simply and try to push the world forward in one small way. It gives you a lot more relief in what you're trying to do as a person. And it it kind of removed the pressures that were manufactured because a lot of these things that I'm telling you, I've completely made up in my own head in the sense of these are stories that I created in my own head. I said, these stories of I am not good enough. These are stories that I need to go and do this. Or th- these are all stories that we create yeah. in ourselves. And once you can transcend those stories and really figure out who you want to be, that's where I think the breakthroughs start happening. And I think I'm barely scratching the surface of what these breakthroughs may be.
0: Mm. I. How how are you on time?
1: Plenty of time for you, Max. Cool. I'm, I'm free as a bird. I love
0: it. <laughs> I'm literally free as a bird. <laughs> how do you begin? Because I there's like I keep stopping at each thing. How um. I I really resonate with what you just said and like, uh, the story and like, how do you begin how you said you're just scratching the surface, but I would give you more credit than that. How have you began to deal with that feeling of like the underlying feeling of not being enough? I think a lot of people can resonate myself included with, um, a lot of what they do is a means of not becoming who they want sometimes but it's a means of proving to themselves that they're like worthy of xyz i'm worthy of love i'm worthy of friends i'm worthy of this life that i want it's it's like a acting out of fear rather than um the opposite what would be like a loving life a flow-filled life so how have you gone about like analyzing the justin story how have you gone about questioning that how have you gone about like working on the stories you've told yourself and beginning to act out of a place of flow and love and just being like you said or just being a human and living rather than I need to prove to myself and whoever these people I put pressure on myself about it like how have you gone about doing that? I think, to be quite frank,
1: I I haven't figured it out yet. I I wish I could tell you something profound that says like, no. um, you know, I've already figured it out and I and I feel enough and complete and and in my truth, I'm not there yet. And that's probably the lifetime karmic energy that I have to deal with and create. So I've I've come mm-hmm. to grips that I haven't come to full conclusions on how to do that. But I've I've made progress, yeah, and I think it's course. important to share at least the progressive steps. I appreciate you saying um, that first the, off. The the first thing is that really just understanding that for me, taking a step back and just realizing what I've got, what I've, what I've created up until this point is profound. And and just taking a step back to realize like, like you didn't have anything. You didn't know anybody. You didn't have, you know, besides my family, there's nothing really behind me. And I was able to create somewhat of a, of a life, and maybe you can call it successful or not, I don't know. I have to give myself some sort of credit for getting to this place. And that's probably been the biggest reflective journey of saying, you, know, you gotta give yourself a little bit of a break and say that you've done something. You haven't just lived. You've done something and you've achieved something. And giving myself just that little bit of, hey, you did this, give yourself a little bit of credit there, Justin was the first step. And I would never give myself enough credit. I'm like, oh, well, i look to another person and say, oh, but they've done this and they've done this. I've completely removed that aspect in comparison of trying to compare myself to some other person because they're completely on another karmic path. They have something else that they need to unpack. So I've completely removed this shiny object syndrome where I look to someone else I'm like, look at how successful they are. Look at how they... I've completely removed... That and that story within my head, which has probably been the most profound thing for me to transcend to this next thing that I want to do. The next thing is to be in complete gratitude of where I am as well and, and being so omnipresent to this experience and what we have. Max, I truly believe that this moment between us is the most important moment in my life right now because there is nothing else that actually exists. There's nothing else that matters in my life than our moment, me and you here sitting together and having this conversation because I truly don't know what will happen tomorrow. As you know, I had a pretty intense experience that happened to me two and a half weeks ago. That is almost three weeks ago on Wednesday that has completely changed my trajectory and how I think about the present moment. That level of gratitude has helped me transcend a lot of things in my life. Because it helps me appreciate the value of this exact experience in so many ways. and In order to translate that gratitude, I I can't describe it. But the the bigger point is that like knowing that these individual moments that you have with someone are, are the most important. You can have dreams. You can think about the long term. But this is it. This is literally the thing that I'm most excited and most joyous about. And what I try to do is I try to have this hint of glimmer that every moment is new and exciting as of you know ch- children have this children have this experience where everything they experience is new so everything their experience is exciting and i i try to bring that to every moment of my life this is a new moment this has never happened before this will never happen again in this specific way and i have so much joy around that because it's new it's exciting and i think once you have that lens of every aspect of your life, of every walk you take, of every meditation, of every kiss, of every lover, of every dinner, of every time you hug your parent, of every time you hug your siblings, of every time you hug a family member, of every time you're in a meditation or you're in a yoga class, and just realizing that that is the most unique moment that you'll ever have and be omnipresent with that experience. Life is fucking bliss from there, man. Man.
0: That was beautiful. I'm uh I resonate with that because for me it's easy to uh cling to the the books that tell me this and the and to read it and to get it on a logical level, but to live it and uh to hear you say that because you do bring this like childlike enthusiasm, not in like your personality but just your energy, which is super refreshing and you have that in your eyes when you smile you're like very excited and you're like this is this is new. This is it could be us just making a bulletproof type coffee and you have that kind of excitement which is cool to see, but for me, uh, something that today I told you before this, I'm like trying to start reading Alan Watts, who's like super deep philosopher. So like a lot of it goes over my head. But one of the things that resonated was, you know, like life's almost like this river, and this is a, an example a lot of people use, and that if you don't let moments for me, it can be easy to when something's going good, instead of just appreciating it and showing that gratitude like a kid, I have such an adult vibe sometimes to the good things in my life where I'll uh I'll cling and I'll grab it and I'll be like don't leave me don't like this is so good I'm scared now to lose it where now the blessings in my life can become curses if I allow that part of me to get too loud so it's like but as Alan Watts would put it like the river if you don't let things go it doesn't allow the flow of things to come in so that that presence and that gratitude is something I'm definitely fucking trying to work on because it's so easy for me to revert back to that place of angst and fear of losing something that's so good. I don't know where that comes from, but where, before we move on, where is something that you do in your day or what is something you do in your day to like act actively practice that? What is something tangible that my audience or me alone can practice? Is it your meditation style that does that? Is it, is that a, just a life perspective of that, that has happened? How do you kind of linger in those feelings and, and give yourself reminders? Cause It can be all good on a logical level, for me at least, um, but it's the actual implementation and the day-to-day like remembering that can be difficult. I think
1: it's coming from a place of understanding that the universe is filled with abundance and not trying to go against you and make you have a difficult experience. Um, I truly believe that the following day will be better than my last day, um, even if it's the worst day of my life, because it could only go up. but it also could be a little bit negative. So coming from a framework of knowing that everything in your life can be abundant. If you have that understanding of knowing that things will get better and things will progress and things will move forward and knowing that even though you probably had the best day of your life, you're going to have maybe even a better day tomorrow and things might be going on the up and up as you continue and and framing your entire existence around that thought process (laughs) is what I use on a daily basis to just continue and push this idea forward. Right. And, yeah, I I did have a little bit of suffering along that path. I did have days where I was like, you know what, I just I. I I'm feeling really anxious. I mean, I was suicidal at one point. I wanted to I wanted to leave this plane of existence because I was so unhappy with myself. Um, and I didn't have that realization at points. But but reframing lifestyles into knowing that we live in a place of abundance. We live in a framework of abundance. And if we just think about the universe that's working in our favor and not in the other way around that I'm competing with someone else to do something. Then it just continues to be abundant on a daily basis. Um, that's just the way that I frame things in my head, and I know that, like, when I really have really bad days, it often is followed by really good ones. Like, if we were talking last mm. Tuesday, um, I was really down. Like last week, I was—I mean, I had just started upping my dose of this medication that I'm on, which is like an anti-seizure thing called Keppra. And it causes these tremendous mood swings. And I was like super down and feeling really sad. But I was being very present with that moment. And I was just like sharing. I was, I had my team in a meeting. I was talking to my friends. I was like, guys, I'm really not feeling charged up today. I'm just not there. And I had a conversation with my dad. And then the following day ends up being a very happy day and a very good day. Because I was present with that moment being like just understanding that, you know, some days are not great. But knowing that in a framework of abundance, great days will be you know good days bad days will be followed by great ones Mm. and that's just kind of the framework that i live by And, and i've been blessed that it continues to do that for me every single day i i find more abundant experiences in my life and in my head i continue to think of what does this north star plan look like where do i want to go how do i want to continue so it's around the frameworks of abundance i think
0: i love that it reminds me of like um how i try to look at things and and uh, like trying to change this conception of, for me at least, suffering and, and how so much of the personal development stuff I've been immersing myself in the last few years has been so much to stay in this peak happy state and o- only recently have I been able to kind of reframe the way I look at pain and suffering um, and allowing it to be as sacred, we're getting super like meta, but like as sacred as the the pleasure and like pain and pleasure can be on the same kind of string. and And treating it just as, you know, like, letting people know around you, like, hey, uh, I'm in a really good place, here's why, but also being okay with this is why I'm in a bad place has been a pretty empowering feeling and letting people in. So I like that you said, like, you told people about it, because in that process for me, even just the other day, I think I was here, and I was like, hey, I just not know, you were like, hey, you seem a little lethargic, and I told you why, and that alone released like 10 pounds off my shoulders even though like you didn't have to say anything profound to me about why I was in a weird mood but the fact that you could pick up on it and that I wouldn't I wasn't just like oh I'm just like tired I didn't brush it off I was like here's here's what's actually going on I think was a liberating feeling and for me um, I think that's something that people could take a lot of value out of is what you just said of just embracing those pain points being open with the being open with people. It almost allows the human of other people to come out when you say that. And and completely being vulnerable. I think that's the other,
1: the other side of this. Um, And we've had like, like very small discussions around this, but like if you look on the internet right now, it often feels like vulnerability is shown as a weakness in people and saying that like, when you are down, you are now a weak person that you've gone through this thing. When the fact is that you're just a human being like everybody else going through life And I think there has to be this transition where people are also sharing about the difficult moments of their life and the transitions on how they work through these roadblocks. I think one thing that I've been very like, at least that I think about now that I'm decently good at is I figure out how to get through problems really quickly in my own head and get to the end solution and figure out channels and and, and somewhat this like, optimal gps system on how to navigate my life even though i get shit that happens to me all the time like similarly to what happened two and a half weeks ago out of nowhere and now i'm like let's
0: figure out how to which we'll eventually talk about by the way
1: (laughs) probably but but the point is is that like we're getting through these like getting through these moments make you stronger make you transcend make you a better person and i think that's kind of the the ultimate thing is that you know Maybe your long-term goal in life is to become the ultimate problem solver. And if you do that, you've created your karmic path of whatever life continues after this one. Mm.
0: It's as if you grow bigger than your problems. So if you keep growing and growing and growing, then problems, as I see in you, like no problem is bigger than Justin because Justin's grown so much. He's overcame so many problems. So problems can only affect you if they're bigger than you. 100%. 100% hundred percent like at the end of the day like the problems are
1: how we manufacture them it is truly how big we want to make these problems like my dad gives this perspective to me so much and man I love that man so your dad's much. dad's a wise man he's, he's, he's such a wise man and he says he's like these problems are as big as you want to make them they can be as small as you want to make them or they can be as big as you want to make them but they're completely manufactured based upon your expectations of reality and no matter how big the problem it could be a you know, I, I could give all the examples of the problems I've had to deal with up until my, you know, my 31 years of life that I've gone through, which in some ways I've dealt with probably things that people deal with when they're 70. I've done all of them by the time I was 30, That's for real. but yeah, probably. So it's just interesting to have having to navigate all those little things. I mean, other than having children, this is probably the only thing I have. Um, one
0: thing your dad told me that was super wise was um, is the day you had gotten back and uh, we we're sitting outside and he was like, you know, Life's kind of like a bed of flowers and we get so accustomed to picking up the same flower and we say, Oh, this is such a beautiful flower. I don't want any other flower but this. This is the most beautiful flower there is And then all of a sudden life says that flower's not gonna grow anymore and we get so work he's like we get so worked up about that flower being gone but it's only until we like it's like if we were just to move on from that and not look back, we'd soon realize there's actually a flower left to the left, to the right that's just as beautiful or more beautiful. And there's an endless amount of flowers. And life throws these curveballs at us that take away the flower we're accustomed to picking. But if we can just like detach from the particular flower we have, uh, there's always more and more beautiful flowers. We just sometimes get too stuck with the one we have and i thought that was just like i even went to my car and wrote it down when he said that and i was like man (laughs) that's a wise body dropping some wisdom dude so wise (laughs) and he probably said it in 10 seconds it took me a minute to explain it but yeah it just is uh he's a cool wise guy thank you for checking out the podcast thank you for checking out looking up there's a lot of shows you could be listening to so if you're listening to this i appreciate you If you want to support the podcast, you can leave a a review on Apple iTunes and leave a comment there. That is super helpful. And you could take a screenshot of the show and share it to Instagram, maybe include something you liked about the episode. Those two things mean the world to me, help the show grow organically, uh, and allow me to kind of hear from you guys and and kind of converse with you guys one-on-one, which is always awesome. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to the show. A lot of amazing things coming in 2020. I'm excited to be growing and learning alongside you. I will see you on the next episode. Bye.